Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise dice today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! So, you're afraid of the mountains? Oh, hi, they're very big and very hard to get across. We've been trying to get across those fuckers for a while. All right, but, like, the mountains themselves aren't, like, attacking you. No, they're fucking mountains. Okay. And she turns to you, Duncan, and she's like... What's the deal with the Tin Man over here? I'm just not making assumptions. I'm a fucking suit of armor. Honestly, sound logic. Um, so, uh, and yeah, in terms of threats, uh, she explains that the Poaler Bears are the main issue, uh, but that she and her party um, 
The ice flows are dangerous as well. Um, she explains that the, the kind of um, barricades you can see in the distance aren't actually put there intentionally. They're ships. Uh, they're, they're partially the wreckage of the, oh, wow. um, the Apex Institute fleet that was destroyed when the Bone Spurs rose, but also a number of more recent vessels, including their own. Um, it seems the ice flows uh, shift so what seems like a nice, solid... And, like, as you spend a bit more time on them, you can hear uh, every so often a massive crack. Um, and in the distance, you can see water spray up and then things shift. Uh, so she explains that uh, ships are constantly trying to kind of either circumnavigate or make their way through and getting caught. So this is just kind of the, the debris and detritus of, of several ships. Um, so the ice flows themselves are fairly dangerous. Um, but the mountains themselves are are generally impassable. And she explains that she'll tell you more when you reach um, base camp. But in terms of immediate threats, uh, the Poalar bears are the big one. Uh, even though they've stopped attacking her camp, and again she like pats her <laughs> her cloak of many owl bears. Um, but uh, she said uh, beyond that, that's the biggest issue. Do you want to roll a? insight check to see if you believe her yeah let's do that i think maka just believes her i think that's fair say uh 13 13 um she's uh she's more gregarious than like i don't think you trust big personalities um but you don't get from a 13 you don't get any any malicious intent yeah, big personality means you either are what you you pretend to be, or you are the most not. And that is his professional paranoia is there, but okay, there's no triggers, so he just assumes she's nice and be ready to shoot her at any point. Sounds like perfect. a professional. Uh, Laura, did you roll as well? Um, I, I think, I mean, as much as I'd like to roll, like, you know, metagaming, um, I think Gwendolyn would look to Duncan in this situation because this is just so far beyond like who Gwendolyn is used to dealing with. I think she could read like noble people. Um, like I think she was kind of brought up to um, understand like the subterfuge and like the game right. being played at that level. But I think for this type of person, she doesn't have a fucking clue. Right. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Um, cool. So, um, you make your way, uh, kind of across the ice flows and it takes, takes some time. Um, but even it's that classic thing where even just knowing where you're going makes it go a little bit faster. Cause it feels like you're actually trudging to a destination, not just trudging towards mountains. <clears throat> and sure enough, um, soon you can see, um, a small, uh, encampment that's been built in the hollow of, um, a massive wrecked boat. Uh, so they kind of have used that as uh, an overhang and built a, a small uh, camp. There's kind of uh, improvised walls that have been built around it. Uh, and you can see a couple centuries uh, with bows um, just kind of like standing guard. Um, <clears throat> as, you know, Peachtree starts like flashing um, a, um, like basically just a, a perfectly polished circular mirror, um, catching light and flickering it at them. And they, they flicker something back. Uh, and lower their bows, um, and um, all of you arrive um, at the uh, small kind of base camp. Um, <clears throat> you're you're pulled in. They kind of like pull the barricade back in front of you, uh, and you can see there are um, a number of kind of supply crates 
um, and uh, broke, somewhat broken down wagons. <clears throat> you can see um, a bunch of, um, uh, there are a number of um, uh, other gnomes uh, hanging around. Uh, there's a, a fire, a roaring fire. Uh, and you can see um, kind of men and women and a couple children kind of like warming their hands um, on a, a central fire. Um, <clears throat> uh, you can also see uh, a few adult gnomes um, walking around, uh, kind of taking inventory, it seems. Um, everyone seems to, at this point, be wearing uh, improvised furs um, or or similar to what you've patched together, just kind of like whatever they... Think like wildling clothing from uh, Game of Thrones, so just kind of like patchwork warm gear. Um, but you can see that it's all built on what would have once been very, very fine, likely very expensive cold weather gear. In modern terms, it was like they all showed up wearing Canada goose jackets, uh, and they've had to re repair and replace large portions of them with kind of whatever's at hand. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, Peachtree um, kind of waves to um, a gnome who's uh, in conversation with a dwarf. Uh, he's the only dwarf who's there. Uh, he's got um, a long beard, a uh, long gray beard that he's, like, tied up over the top of his head to keep his ears warm. Um, and uh, he's kind of got just massive, meaty forearms. And he's got a, uh, to your surprise, kind of like an artist's um, easel set up. And um, he's got kind of a, a big piece of wood that he's been sketching on. Uh, but he, he kind of nods to the gnome and, and turns back to his sketchings. Um, this gnome uh, is... Um, like just in, like very handsome. Uh, he's wearing small spectacles um, that uh, are ruby colored, so just like a brilliant red, um, and um, clean shaven, completely bald, um, wearing uh, a nicer jacket than the other ones. It's a little bit better preserved. Mm. Um, and uh, he comes striding over to you um, very imperiously, which is always very funny when he's like half all of your height. Um, and uh, as he does so, as his feet are kind of kicking up the snow, um, you see that he's wearing um, kind of like curled toe, uh, almost slippers. Um, they, you can see they, they are kind of reinforced against weather, but they're very fine and, and clearly a, a fashion statement, not a uh, survivalist choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, Gwendolyn and Duncan, uh, these are the first gnomes you've ever seen. And I feel like... Peachtree was less, uh, because she was wrapped in, in clothes, uh, she likely looked like a little person who you would have met um, in Orville. Um, but now that you can see the body proportions, you're starting to realize that um, unlike um, humans who have dwarfism, these are like, just like, literally just f much smaller humans. Um, and I think there's something striking about seeing these kind of like, almost Keebler elf shaped um, mm. people walking around. Uh, so anyway, he, he strides up to you and um, kind of puts one hand across his chest, one arm out, um, and, and bows very regally, although it's not any uh, courtly gesture either of you recognize. You recognize it as a courtly gesture. Um, and uh, he stands and he says, Ah, my dear friends, welcome. Welcome to my expedition. It is so good of you to join us, uh, and I sincerely hope that uh, you will have better luck than we have had, and perhaps we shall have better luck together. Uh, my name is Creed Danver, and uh, 
This is my, my fair expedition party, and you are most welcome to partake of our fire and to partake of our supplies so long as you pull your weight. For every man on an expedition must pull their weight. And Peachtree's like, <clears throat> and woman, sir. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sure. Uh, but all people on my expeditions <laughs> must pull their weight. And then he, like, crosses his arms and kind of, like, kicks out one foot. Um, in modern visuals, uh, this particular gnome seems to just be unable to avoid, like, the comical Christmas elf vibe. Uh, <laughs> but seems completely unaware that he's doing it. Mach is going to kind of look around at the operation that they've got going here and just ask, um, Oh... <coughs> How long have you been here on your expedition? Mm. Um, and uh, he um, sort of half smiles at you um, and he says, as long as is needed to cross the mountains. Mm. I have a business venture, you see, that I am ready to set up upon the far coast. And all that stands between us and profit are these here mountains. Uh, and he just like looks at them like they're an old enemy. Yeah, I'll I'll give him like a, a a light bow with like doffing of the cap, and then place it back and say, "Sire gnome, my name is Duncan Kindano of the Dawnbreakers. This is Maka Deathcap of the Tortles, and this is Princess Gwendolyn Kinsalaris of the Nation of Orvel. What venture do you speak of? What is your business that you're looking to take over the mountain? You hear." peach tree audibly sigh and like oh boy here we go um and he goes i'm glad you asked uh and he he claps his hands and he says damon cousin gregor come we have business to discuss um and uh you see uh, a couple of other gnomes uh like one of them pops his head up comically over the boxes uh, the other one's the guy with the clipboard you saw earlier uh and they both kind of like rush over um, do a similar bow, um, and then they kind of do like almost a '90s hip hop album cover pose, where like they both kind of like cross their arms behind him, um, <laughs> and God. he's like, um, "We run Denver Enterprises. Uh, yes, Denver Enterprises, and our goal is to create better textiles for you." And then the other two uh, kind of point up and over his shoulders. Um, and he says, uh, the people of Eastmouth, uh, where we previously held operations, were not impressed with the quality of our textiles. This proved to be quite a problem for Denver Enterprises. But be the enterprising, and they all share like a ha-ha-ha, um, people we are, we decided that there would be more luck where they have never seen a quality of textile the likes of which we can create. And so we are headed... Eastward, and they point uh, through the mountains. Um, and uh, was that? Uh, uh, sorry, westward. Westward. I thought they just mispronounced it. Like we're headed west. Yeah. Westward. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it in Eastmouth. Westward. We're headed westward uh, through the mountains, there to find new enterprise. We've heard tell that the wooden coast is almost devoid of textiles, and thus we shall be the only option, as well as the best. Uh, and the other two are like, mm, yes, 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 high quality, yes. Um, so are you planning to sell textiles to the, the what the hell is it called? The something of Crackate? 
the cult of... Are, are you planning on selling textiles to the Covenant of Cricket? Because you're heading towards Shadow Mother Lysa's land. Ah, yes, we will not be traveling that far, dear fellow. That would be suicide. No, we plan to sell to the root folk of the Wooden Coast. Make sure that they are well ensconced in textilianous fashions. <laughs> Already? We used to call um, them testicular fashions, but then someone pointed out that that was unfortunately atomic and anatomical. A lot of this is going over Maka's head. Textiles, businesses, profits. It's all just kind of weird words that are not uh, part of his daily lexicon. I think he's kind of losing interest um, in these people, you know, trying to... Does it appear that they're trying to bore through the mountain? Yeah, so if you're getting bored, um, you start kind of, uh, your attention wanders, and you can see that um, the dwarven man uh, seems to be sketching out um, uh, plans for some kind of uh, excavation or or blasting. Um, However, you can also see as your kind of, uh, as your attention wanders, that he has several of these planks of wood um, kind of like leaning haphazardly uh, against one of the wooden walls of the ship. And it seems like this is not his first attempt. Mm. Um, and you can definitely see from like the level of frustration and inventiveness of, of the way he's, he's looking at it. Like, this definitely isn't a first idea. This is a long down the list of ideas idea. Okay. But uh, I think tracking that, you can also see... Like, he seems to have powder barrels, and, like, you can see now that you're kind of actively looking for it. There definitely seems to be blasting gear about. Uh, I think Duncan will turn to the princess and say, Princess, perhaps you would like to negotiate with this leader here on how we could join forces to get through the mountain. I'm going to go take a walk. Uh, and then I just want to leave this conversation to go talk to the dwarf guy, hopefully. Sure. While Mr. Blowhard and his two <laughs> twins are stuck talking to the princess. Cool. Um, so, uh, Gwendolyn, they proceed to talk your ear off about the quality of the textiles and how everyone in East Mount can suck an egg because they don't understand good textiles when they see them, despite being a <laughs> textile-based economy. Yeah. Um, and as, as he talks, the nice thing is, weirdly, you are kind of in your element here because... You've dealt with noble blowhards before, and it really sounds like yeah. these guys were like the D tier textile manufacturers of Eastmouth. And yeah. uh, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard a lot of like startup merchants come to pitch their ideas yeah. to the council. Yeah. yeah, so this definitely seems like one that you would have done a hard pass on. Um, yeah, but uh, but <laughs> I also recognize that like we didn't fare so well landing. Uh, here and I don't think it these clearly aren't enemies initially mm-hmm. so let's see if we can use them to find other people and get past this uh, seemingly insurmountable mountain pass. sure um, so as they talk um, they go on to explain that uh, they hired uh, peach tree and uh, Vivaldi rock smasher the uh, the dwarf um, yeah. to uh, they hired Peachtree as um, a guide, essentially. Um, she's never been through uh, the Bone Spurs because no one seemingly has been. There's always talk to people who've done it, but it really is a, a here there be dragons kind of situation. Um, <clears throat> but uh, she is a renowned adventurer and explorer, so they figured if anyone could get them through and lead the expedition, mm. it would likely be her. Um, 
And Vivaldi is a uh, a master of um, blasting. Like he's he's incredibly good at um, uh, this sort of dare thing. we call him a master, a master blaster? blaster? Yes, we we do we do dare. Um, so as a master blaster, they they hired him um, because they figured if anyone and also like he was game for it when they're like we want to go through the mountains, he was like yes. So um, they brought him along. I d- I do love Rock Smasher, Master Blaster. <laughs> uh, like, his his given name was, like, Van Ives, but he realized once he took his profession that it would be better Ives. to... Uh... Yeah, he's, like, begging for his own heavy metal intro song. <laughs> Get at me, internet. Um, so, yeah, um, they, uh, they, they're bringing the uh, Danver Enterprises uh, operation across the mountains, uh, along with their top employees uh, and their families, so that's kind of the the assortment mm. of like um, partners and children kicking around. Um, that said, uh, they have been stuck here for a while. They had hoped to be able to, um, in kind of classic fashion of people who have attempted something that they think no one else has attempted, but likely other people have. Um, they had fully planned on outsmarting the mountains by simply blowing them up and kind of digging through that way. Um, but it has proved incredibly difficult. Um, you can tell that uh, Creed is incredibly bored by the details. Uh, no pun intended. Um, so it's the kind of thing where it's just like, um, it would seem Master Vivaldi is not quite as good at boring through mountains as he said he was. It's quite problematic, but we hope to be underway shortly. Um, which you immediately what? recognize as like a half answer. And why aren't you going over them? Um, and the the three gnomes go, ha, 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 ha. Um, and they just say, uh, Your Highness, they are very high. They are very difficult to traverse. Uh, we have recently attempted uh, to, to go over them a few times, actually, because, well, we gave up on the blasting some time ago. Master Vivaldi insists he can still do it, but the rest of us are smarter. So we've been trying to get up and over, but as you can see, and he kind of points uh, to the supplies around, and you start to notice that this isn't, even just from your kind of imperially trained eye, this isn't nearly enough to start a full business venture. Um, and you can also tell the camp is larger than the people and supplies that are within it. Um, mm. And so he explains that they've actually uh, tried to go over the mountains several times um but each time they're repelled uh and then peachtree steps in and explains that um there are kind of two major issues that they're facing to go up and over um there is a massive cliff not far from here that is easier to climb than straight up trying to like dig your way up a mountain yeah however there is a vicious wind coming off the top of it uh, so getting up and over the lip is incredibly difficult. And unfortunately, if anyone loses their footing, it's very easy to get blasted back down. Um, so it's mm. about a 150 foot sheer cliff. Um, additionally, um, Petrie says, and, uh, you know, we've had, um, we've had a few other problems, but, um, and like, you can see Danver giving her the stink eye. And she's like, oh, but, uh, you know, mo- mo- mostly incompetence and a, a lack of, um, of uh, you know, intestinal fortitude to really go the extra distance for the Enterprise and for the expedition. And you see, uh, like, Creed just kind of give her a thumbs up. Um, but uh, she locks eyes to visor with you, Gwendolyn, and you can tell that she kind of wants to tell you more, but not here. Mm-hmm. She's giving you a very knowing look, 
but also uh, you can see her eyes kind of tracking around the face of your helmet because she's not really sure where to give the knowing look. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, 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 Monsieur Danver, um, if you wouldn't mind, I will leave my trusty advisor, Maka, in my stead uh, to uh, speak with you about how we may uh, assist in your expedition. And uh, I um, would kindly request uh, a tour of the facilities with uh, Miss Petrie here to see more how we can help. Um, yes. Cool. Um, <laughs> so he he kind of um, looks looks between you and Maka, and uh, he kind of like looks you up and down, um, and there's there's a bit of like a, a like almost a snide like smirk, where he says and. Yes, I believe that would be useful for us as well. This does seem like a very capable turtle. Um, and uh, as you walk away, uh, you just hear a mutter like, What kind of a doofus wears metal armor to climb a mountain? Now you, friend turtle, seem like someone who understands business. Might we mm-hmm. assume that you are a, a, a member of uh, the the... Uh, flipping back through my notes because it's been a while since we talked about them. Uh, the Consortium of Bleen. Fine totals of business. We have done much business with them in the past. Hmm? Hmm. Uh, you must, uh, forgive me. I have been ignoring you. I was not paying attention. What what was your question? My dear Tortle, I will overlook this because I suspect we can do and he puts a hand like he tries to put a hand on your shoulder but he can't quite reach, so he just puts it like on like my bicep or something. Yeah, like like a little lower, like just kinda gets a bit of your elbow and he's like We can talk business. Um and he proceeds to just start like immediately launching into the yeah, full on like, sales uh, pitch. Just yeah, it's just, <laughs> no, and it's what's weird is you can tell that because they they assume you're part of the consortium, they're just talking like straight up. They're just going straight to numbers and figures. Um, it's like a bit of a pyramid scheme vibe. Like it's kind of like if you buy in now, I mean, truly, once the enterprise <laughs> is up and running. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, as your eyes begin to glaze over, uh, Duncan, you uh, make your way up to um, Vivaldi Rock Smasher, who is um, looking at uh, his kind of wooden board, um, and uh, you can hear him just kind of muttering to himself, uh, saying like. <clears throat> At this rate, I will run out of pencils before I run out of solutions. This is most frustrating. Um, and then he continues to sketch. And at this, you can tell though that, like, as someone who has had their share of bad schemes, like this is a frustration sketch. Like, there's arrows being like, I don't know, blow up? Question um, mark. <laughs> and um, he's uh, he's this sort of like sketchy way with the nub of a pencil he's using. Cool. Uh, I would like to present myself uh, and I I will give a bow and I will speak in Dwarvish because I am so excited to finally get to use this language I learned. It's the only reason I can read his notes. Uh, And I I bow and I'll say, Sire Dwarf, my name is Duncan Kendano of the Dawnbreakers. Uh, Our party has recently 
joined forces with yours to get over the mountain. What has been stopping you so far? And also, are you in charge? Because it really feels like Creed Danvers is not. He, um, he, he, like, shoots a, a glance over his shoulder, um... And you can see there's, like, a, a gleeful smile under his weird, like, bent-up beard. Um, and he just says, Oh, finally, someone who speaks Dwarven. I gotta tell you, it is... Common is exhausting. And the amount of jokes these gnomes make about my accent is truly upsetting. Um, your accent is is quite elegant. You, you speak fairly well. Uh, have you been to the land of the dwarves? I have not, but I would count myself honored to travel there one day. Ah, you seem like a fine fellow. Uh, yes, well, uh, to answer your second question first, um, uh, the Lady Peachtree is absolutely in charge of the expedition. Um, however, uh, since we have been hired by uh, Creed and his brother and cousin and family, we have to yield slightly to their desires and whims, which, as you can imagine, is rather exhausting. Uh, with such a a man at the helm. The plight of the advisor is always heavier under bad leadership. Oh, you you understand a lot, fancy man. Your your hat is excellent and as are your manners. I appreciate the consideration you've given me. Yes, no, he's terrible. He's he's the, the absolute <laughs> worst. Uh we, we would be dead twelve times over if it wasn't for uh uh Miss Ollander and her her uh just sheer desire to conquer nature. Uh more so than intelligence or wit, just she is like like my explosives, you know. You just set them off, and few things can stand in her way. On that note, though, that is our problem. I have blasted my way through mountains countless times, and none has put up uh, resistance as much as these ground-forsaken monsters. Uh, every day. I sit here in front of my boards. I had paper a while ago, and he kind of, like, gestures to, like, kind of, like, waterlogged paper that's under all the the planks. So, but none of my plans have worked. I've, I've blasted for days, and every time I think we're making a bit of progress, the damn thing grows back. That is indeed troubling. So, the magical nature of the bone spurs... Is true. The rumors aren't false. It's uh, it's not rock, I'll tell you that much. It looks like rock, feels like rock, a little bit like bone, but somewhere in the middle. Uh, you can drill into it, you can break it with pickaxes, you can definitely blow it up. Because i got to tell you, I've blown up a lot of this mountain. But it always comes back. It's never quite the same, but it grows back. So are I've there, got, are, like, and he, he kind of pats his barrels. He's like, I'm starting to run low on black powder. We're mostly using it to chase off the uh, Powaler bears, or at least we were back when they were attacking the camp. But uh, we're uh, we're running out of options here. I think, I think it's probably going to have to be an up and over situation. And then he looks at his stubby legs and he's like, not that I'm any fucking good at that. All right, so that seems reasonable. Are there any uh, caves or paths or anything that you people have discovered over time? Uh, none that we've found. We sent out some uh, scouting parties uh, a long time ago, but none of them came back. That's sort of a different concern that I'm going to make note of. Uh, all right, we'll have a conversation with Peachtree. I will speak with my Royal Highness, the Princess, and we'll see what we can do to assess. If you have any more questions for us, please drop by any time. And then he, uh, he drops back into common, and he's like, 
yes, so that is how I make my drawings so specific. Thank you for only asking me about my artistic ability to draw. It is very nice to speak in my home tongue, and thank you for noticing my drawing. And then he waits to you. It's very good. I wake back and I say, you don't know any Impa Krimpas, right? <laughs> what are the Impa Krimpa? Is that, uh, is that your companion? The, the large man with the... the, the, the he seems to have uh, the armor built into his back. No, yes. he's a turtle. It's okay. I just wanted to know culturally where Winking was. I feel like we're at the same place. <laughs> so other than Peachtree, is there someone I could talk to about A, getting something engraved and B getting someone to turn the Powler Bear into a coat. Um, he uh, he kind of like froze his brow uh, and then his, his eyes kind of go wide and he's like, um, yes, you can speak to uh, Creed's daughters. Uh, Sheila is most excellent at making the, the fur coats. She has been uh, just been making them for us. Uh, you can speak to uh, his... his um, uh, and they drops into dwarf. And he's like, um, what's the word? Uh, oh, uh, a, a, a second daughter. Uh, you can speak to her. Uh, her name is uh, Sonia, and uh, she will help you with uh, the, the engraving. Yes. Perfect. Thank you, friend. And what lovely drawings you've always done. I say in common, uh, and then I doff my cap and stride on. Uh, and. Uh, you just hear muttering dwarven like, huh, that guy's a breath of, a breath of fresh air. Well, back to it. Uh, and he goes back to sketching. Um, so you make your way across the camp um, and you're looking for uh, Sheila and Sonia. Is that correct? Uh, I think I'd go to the princess first. We'd probably try to keep this party together. And then okay. there, once we nail down what we're doing, I'll so worry about it. So as you're having your conversation, Gwendolyn, um, you're... Yet again, touring the facility and picking up slack um, yeah. with uh, Peachtree. What did you want to ask her? Um, uh, I, I just want to say, uh, so, uh, oh my God, I'm about to do Duncan's accent. Bit of Jesus Scottish Christ. There, yeah. I know, I was like, no! Um, uh, uh, Miss Peachtree, uh, seemed like there was something you wanted to tell me. Oh, I... So, listen, the boss man, he's not going to want to fucking tell you about this, but, um, fuck, I'm in Irish now. Um, <laughs> ah! so you got to say your accent phrase. Everyone has an accent phrase. Yeah. And when you say it in your accent, it like sets your mind to, to doing it. Donkey, I'm going to eat you. It's just yeah, all yeah. Like if that's what it takes, then go for it. Yeah. Uh, and yes. Peachtree's Peach yeah. donkey walks around the corner and like gives yeah. a snooty neigh and then just walks uh, away again. If you've got a oh, like, oh, we, we, we named like cakes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we named one of the dogs Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> We're not tired of calling him all Mike. In any case, uh, Mister Bossman, he's not going to want to tell you, but uh, there's a fucking monster up the mountain. Monster. Oh, aye. It's not just wind. What? Wind, admittedly, also a bit of a monster, but like a natural monster. Harder to fight. What? Now, what kind of monster? Does he stay up in the mountain, come down? Oh, only up in the mountain. We've only seen him once or twice. No one's got a proper view of him yet. But oh, he stinks something fierce. And I know, because I fucking stink. 
Um, and she lifts up her arm, and uh, nothing happens because your armor. And she's like, oh, you're a strong one. Got so steel. I like that. Um, but uh, she explains that, um, so they, they've tried to, to get over the mountain now several times. Uh, and each time, the first few times, they were just purely rebuffed by the winds. Um, but on subsequent, they got better and better just getting up the cliff. But um, soon they started getting attacked. And uh, this thing, hmm. uh, it's it like, it started picking off their dogs. So like their oh, dogs no. would go like looking and then just like the mics would disappear and uh, they'd like find the bodies and eventually they, they kind of managed to get further inland um, and they found uh, a number of corpses impaled on um, sort of uh, leafless trees um, and clearly kind of marked as a warning. Uh, and then they actually lost some members of their party um, and they, they fear this is what's happened to their scouts as well. Um, but all they've seen is, is kind of a massive, bulky, white-furred creature walking on two legs, um, but only at distance. And in the kind of glare of the uh, the sun against the snow, it's just blindingly bright, uh, so often very difficult to, to see what this thing is. Uh, but again, reeks something fierce, uh, and that's about all they've got. But um, basically, uh, as she shows you around the camp, she also explains like she's out of ammo because they've shot at this thing and they, they had to fight the pole owler bears. Um, also, they've lost a number of their supplies in all these runs because they keep constantly bringing things up the mountain with them only to lose them if they have to flee or have them get blown off. So they're now running pretty low on, on weapons. Uh, they've got a few arrows mm. left between them. Um, she's just down to using uh, Vivaldi's blasting powder in her blunderbuss, so it makes big noise, but it doesn't hurt anything. She and she can like pack it with garbage, but it's not like they're out of shot. Um, but also like they're out of swords, they're out of weapons in general, and she's been basically stalling because she knows the next time they go up without weapons, odds are they're just all gonna die. But uh, Danver is insistent that they summit soon. Also because he's lost so much of what he wants to bring up and over that um, it's it's they're not quite at the breaking point where they won't be able to open business on the other side yet, but they're getting close. All right, so you need someone to take care of the monster. Oh, that'd be great. I've been trying to kill the fucker myself, but I just can't seem to do it. All right, and we know that if the monster is gone... Everyone else can get over. Um, she kind of like bites her lip and she's like, explains that the monster. So they, they've gotten into the mountains. You still need to yeah. go over the mountains. Like it's not like monster right. done. It's all downhill. Um, but they can't even kind of get into the heart of the mountains into the range. Like basically they can't like penetrate deep enough to the range to actually know how long it'll take to get through. Okay. I mean, did you try approaching from a different way? Yeah, so she, she explains kind of a few of the attempts. Um, their their ship crashed near here, so this has kind of been base camp for a while. Um, they've tried to go up in four or five different places, um, and each time they found it almost unpassable. This cliff is honestly a bit of a gift because it means that the wind, like they actually have a defense against the wind until they get up. 
everywhere else it's just constantly sleet and and rain and, mm. and um, wind so um that's not to say that there isn't another place but they're also getting attacked by poaler bears every time they ventured out so it just became too costly to to explore anywhere else all right let me speak with my team uh, at that moment uh, Duncan walks up uh, Duncan there's a monster in the mountain <laughs> Peachtree's like well so much for subtlety I'll leave you to it um, <laughs> she, uh, she wanders off to go distract uh, the <laughs> the Danver brothers um, Maka you could use that opportunity to slip away if you see fit uh, I think I'll do that yeah cool all right, so I'm imagining we'll all catch each other up on what we found out. Yeah. Um, so here's the question. We can kill this monster and we can continue over the mountain. My primary concern is there are children in this camp and we do not know if a child will survive a journey over this mountain. And I'll tell you right now, I will personally kill Creed Danver and both of his partners before I let them kill a child in the search for gold. Is there a way to get these people back? Can they build their ship and leave? Can they abandon this quest? We cannot, but can they? It would seem that the glacial flows claim many ships. Hmm. There is much debris here that a new ship could be built if someone here had the talent for such a task. Hmm. But it seems these are merchants, not shipwrights. Hmm. I believe they are stranded. I believe forward is the only path for them. Hmm. Much like us. Yes. You yeah. could inquire with Peachtree about any attempts to go back if you feel so inclined. She'll be like nearby and able to, to assist. But sorry, Laura, you were going to say something. No, I was going to say, um, Duncan, you said that the the mountain like re regrows, reforms. That's what I was told, correct. Well, then it's alive, I assume. I don't think anyone's tried reasoning with it. You want to go speak to the mountain? I don't know. I, this might be maybe something mocker. You, you might have better chance. That's here. an interesting idea. What does the cluster say? Is there anything around here that's alive in the way you would hope? And I'll close my eyes and kind of open my mind to the cluster um, uh, for some guidance. It's difficult to tell. Um, it's not as bad as the forge, but um, whereas the forge field felt like everything uh, organic had burned away, um, with this much cold, you can sense organic material all around you. Like obviously, like you're you're talking to these two and everything else, but. Um, it's you, you can't pick up a signal. It's just it, if there are spores in the mycelial network around here, they're frozen in ice. Uh, it's it, the thing like being in the Antarctic where it's like you know there is like there's uh, organisms frozen beneath mm -hmm. you, but you just can't can't yeah. tap them. That said, um, you also feel what I would describe as kind of a weird reverb effect. 
um, coming from the mountain and kind of the ice around you. And like, there does seem to be something, but it doesn't feel like the mountain is an organism necessarily, but there is something tremendously strange about it that is registering on um, sort of your cycle net, if that makes sense. Right, okay. Uh, Maka will snap back kind of after reaching out and say, uh, hmm, there is a stillness. Mm, yes. The fungi and molds of this bone spur are trapped beneath the ice, in the soil, in the rock. There is no growth in this frigid place, but the mountain, hmm, it speaks in, and there is a force there. I do not know what it means. Hmm. Well, we can inquire about whether or not they've got a chance to go back. We can go and take a look at the mountain and maybe chip off a piece and see what happens. And we could gear up in case we need to hunt this beast. Mm. Is there anything else that would appear on our list of options that I have not seen? As I understand it, if I buy silks from the Danver brothers and sell them to each of you, you can then in turn sell them to two other folks and you will reap the benefits and I will take a percentage of each of your sales, as they say, and then the Danver brothers will take a percentage of my sales and in this way, we will profit. Yes. Rather than explaining the concept of a pyramid scheme to Maka, I think Duncan will just say, and do you have any coin with which to make this first purchase? Is coin a necessary component of a purchase? You are correct. You have to pay them for the first thing. If you can't Mm. pay them, then I'm sorry, you can't partake. Mm. Then this is not, not the way over the mountain, then. Mm, What? You said you were going to take a percentage. A percentage of what? Duncan just like (laughs) takes his hat off. I'm just curious. uh, Palm on forehead. I thought I would. I thought I might know a percentage when I saw it. (laughs) When you brought it back to me. I just look at Duncan. I'm already going to Peachtree to just be like, hey, so have you been able to get back? (laughs) Like, you've got children. (laughs) Oh, aye, we've been trying. Uh, But it's it's the damnedest thing. The ice just seems to go on forever. Every time we go back, you know, I'll just figure we'll find the shore. You know, a little while back, it took me and the mics. We went for a little uh, jaunt. Nothing. Just kept going. I would like to speak to the mics, if I may, with, sure. uh, speak with animals. Uh, I'll just drop to a knee, take a knee near the animal, near the dogs there, and, and reach out um, and say, uh, Greetings, 
noble beasts. Oh. I am Maka Deathcap. It is a privilege to speak with you. Oh, hey! Oh, it's so nice to finally meet someone who speaks our language. Oh, tell you, that's mm. exhausting. Mm. They're always yelling at us in weird, slightly fluid accents. <laughs> May I ask, uh, what do your senses pick up out there in the snow drifts and on the ice? Is there a, a presence that you are aware of? Uh, and they all kind of look, look at each other and um, say, well, uh, you know, it's cold and, and we, we, we don't smell much. There's not many fun smells. Not like like back home. Home, there were nice smells. Out here, there are not nice smells. Uh, we smell uh, the, 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 big, the big birds. Uh, mm-hmm. We smell them and they smell bad, but also tasty. Tasty, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. bad. Uh, and, uh, up, 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 up there we smell, we smell real bad, like dead. We smell dead up, up, up there. D- did you always smell death? Well, we don't, we don't go up there very often, but every so often they, they take us up there. And, and we smell dead. This gnome, and I gesture to Peachtree, she speaks of a powerful scent, a strong smell. Yup, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 small, 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 big, big smell, bad smell. Is it the smell of death? Yes, mm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And do you find that this death moves, roams um, the uh, Yes, yes, sometimes uh, we don't smell anything up there. Sometimes it's just nothing. But then other mm. times it smells like death, and sometimes it's it's coming uh, from the, the weast, and sometimes it, it's coming from the est, and really it's uh, sometimes even snorth. Uh, you know, it's 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 real. It, but but when it's coming, you can smell it. It's real bad, real 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 bad. And then sometimes uh, some of our buds buds go away. Some sometimes we find them again though. So sometimes that's okay. Hmm. Thank you, friend. Hey, thank you. Uh, let me say goodbye in the way of my people. And he like licks your face a bunch. And I'll lick his face. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, I finally, someone <laughs> civilized. Uh, and then he pees on a rock and wanders away. <laughs> Maka looks at the rock and doesn't have to go right now. So <laughs> I'm like, mm, next time. Uh, and we'll, we'll turn back and kind of relay this new information, just saying that uh, this monster, this stink, it smells of death to the hounds. And it roams the mountains. They say there are times when they do not smell it. So this monster that you speak of, it roams, it travels. We could slip past it, perhaps, or track it. Mm -hmm. I believe we should hunt this beast. And then once it's dead, we can deal with the cliff. And then escort these people over. For if these children cannot leave, I cannot leave them. If you want to sneak past the beast, you can both do it. But I will have to stay behind. Hmm. I see. Then perhaps to hunt this roaming death is the best thing. That way the children will be safe. And these mountains will be freed from his presence. Hmm, yes. 
brain size. Yeah, Maka will look to Gwendolyn for consensus. Yeah, well, yeah, that all sounds that all sounds good. If if that's what if that's what you think is best, all right. And with that mighty royal decree, <laughs> all right, the Alliance of Equality decided to hunt a fabled beast atop a snowy cliff. Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out their flagship podcast, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's a show where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It features Laura Elizabeth as the wizard Alan, Tyler Hewitt as the thief Quinny, and Ryan LaPlante as a cleric named Butthole. Through their first season, these heroes experience the minds of Fandelver, but starting in season two, they step into a world of fully original adventures from the mind of DM Tom McGee. Follow them from the beginning of their quest through Five more seasons and beyond! Check it out now! Dom Doms and Dragons! Having uh, sort of struggled through a, a, a surprisingly difficult day out on the ice, um, evening begins to fall. Even though you've decided to go hunt the monster, uh, you're all in not great shape. Um, yeah, I don't know how wise it would be to, like, be like now that it's dark, let's yeah, go hunt yeah, a monster yeah. on so, its home yeah. turf. <laughs> Me and my 17 HP. No yeah, so uh, you decide to, um, uh, to to tuck in for the evening and uh, get some rest. So you can go ahead and mark a long rest, um, gain your HP and stuff back, get your yes. spell slots and such. Yes. Tom. Um, yes, Ryan. Overnight, if I could make a request of those sisters, I don't know if we want this to be a whole scene in a visit, or I should just make a request and you can say, I like yeah, what you're name. throwing down, sir. Thought I might make this an option. Uh, I would love knowing that there is a sun in the center of the coppers to get it. They essentially sits a sun, but we'll all just have it marked with a line in the middle to make it a crescent moon as well as a sun image mm-hmm. to acknowledge Jossie within the Solaris uh, reference on my coppers all right, uh, in that. honor of my boy Maka. Uh, and then we have these furs of these. Powler bears. Powler bears. Powler bears. I can't even get the made up pronunciation right. Wow. Uh, I would love if we could get to the point where we could kind of make hunting ghillie suits out of them to look wintry. Because as a man dressed in all black, I do not do sneaky right now terribly well. Or even yeah. just fur coats that do up that would. Yeah, they can make cloaks pretty. Warm. I mean, it's just overnight, but they can do cloaks easily enough. Cloak that'll, is that'll great. Give yeah. you if you're not moving too much, it'll give you kind of the ghillie suit approach. Um, cool. But if you're moving around too much, then you'll still have better cover than you have right now. So I'm uh, imagining we'll have a white one, a gray one, and one that's a mix of the two. So who would like which cloak? Oh, it's not just flayed owlbears draped over us, I see. I thought we would only get two coats out of it, but... I don't know, maybe we can spread it out. Tom, how big are owlbears? How many can we get? Uh, the problem is you're all big. Like, Duncan, if there were three of you, it would probably be fine. But for the armor and the turtleman, uh, I would say mm-hmm. you could have two good ones or three okay ones. Okay. Uh, I would say we probably have two good ones because cold won't kill uh, the haunted armor. <laughs> also, if you push a suit of armor over yeah. a snowbank, it just kind of looks like discarded armor at a snowbank. What does my skulking cloak do? Um, it... Remind me. Sorry, I wrote down that I have it. Was, not what uh, it was uh, mostly just to hide that you were a haunted suit of armor. Oh, haunted suit of okay. armor. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And it has. Yep. The, yeah. Okay. okay. So I'll give. I've got the gray one or the white one, and then this will be the only thing that matters. So just me coming back to camp and going, "Sire Turtle, I have the gray cloak. 
of a polar bear or I have the white cloak of a polar bear. Which one feels more appropriate for a druid of Jassy? Hmm. I'll take the grey one. Hmm. And there you are, and there I am. So you commission them. Uh, they aren't made yet, because uh, we haven't slept Great. yet. But uh, yes, they're, they're... I give him the receipt yes. that says, this will be made, and he can go hand it Pick in Pick up tomorrow. Um, and with that, um, you all kind of fall into uh, an uneasy, uh, kind of chilly sleep. Um, your sleep is occasionally interrupted by um, one of the gnomes who's coughing um, just kind of very badly throughout the evening. Um, and you awake to news um, that uh, he's actually passed away during the night. Um, so he was uh, he was one of the, the gnomes that you didn't meet, um, but um, he uh, he was part of the expedition, and everyone's like um, clearly very sad uh, about it. But also, there's there's they've clearly been stuck here long enough that there's a bit of a um, Militaristic it's normal now, for lack of a better term. Kind of. It's it's a like um, in the way that anyone like if you ever read about explorers trapped in ice, where it's just kind of like this is awful, but also we just need to like there's a workmanness to it, almost a routine, I guess. Where it's just kind of like mm-hmm. we're we're in these are extraordinary circumstances. We need to be um, pragmatic about this. So. Um, you uh, you kind of awake to to the uh, the the preparation. They're kind of wrapping him in in some material, and they're building like a small cairn out of rocks for him at, at just outside the uh, <coughs> just outside the wall. Um, Maka, given your your general interest in in all things death related, is there anything you think you would want to take part in in this? Um, I would do two things. I would want to observe um, how they put uh, someone to rest and how they deal with the body but also just there to offer any kind of services that I can sure so um, they uh, you, again you can tell that this is more like kind of a more and later sort now kind of situation um, but they do um, sort of have uh, a few words um, you know they, they say a quick uh, sort of prayer uh, in Gnomish over uh, over the body, um, he's uh, apparently his name was um, Turfel. Um, so they kind of um, you know tearfully um, bid him for a while. He's got uh, obviously quite well liked um, amongst the uh, the expedition, um, and uh, yeah, they just they they there's like some vague promise of coming back to to bury him proper, but. Uh, given the the poor quality of, of leaving now, that seems seems light. So with heavy hearts, uh, the people of the expedition return to start preparing things to go over up and over if your hunting expedition is successful. Is there anything... Uh, you pick up your cloaks, you deliver your, your slips. Um, they are kind of just gutted animals that you can wear over yourself, but they've scraped all the, the guts off, so it's, you know, little little stinky, but... Um, <clears throat> Because it is a freshly killed cloak, they can't exactly like dry it over an extraordinary period of time. But it's not going to be sticky on you, if that makes sense. Great, uh, Duncan will immediately ditch his terrible made out of bags he found on a ship outfit because this will do the job. So he doesn't have to be like poorly styled. <laughs> sure. He knows he might die on this mountain. He refuses to die wearing a bag he had to sew together. 
Cool. So they add it to, as soon as you take it off, you can see, like, um, uh, Cousin Gregor comes over and, and just, like, like, kind of gathers it up and adds it to the rest of the, the supplies. Um, and, like, marks down the inventory of it and is clearly keeping a close eye on what's coming in and out of camp. As he swings by, I think I would ask him, is there anyone else amongst your party who is sick? The turtle has abilities, and I'd be saddened to hear someone had passed while we were away if we could have helped. Ah, no, I'm, I'm afraid uh, Turfle had, had been sick for some time. Uh, he, the cold has did an awful number on him. Not sure there's much that could be done, but we will keep that in mind. I'll make sure to make a note. And he writes down, like, turtle equals, and then he makes, like, a medical cross. Uh, and he underlines it twice. He says, this will be of great use. We do not currently have a healer. Not an oversight, merely an oversight. And then he wanders off. And I'm just glad he wrote it down. Like, I'm not going to challenge him. That's fine. Yeah. I got my cloak. I got what I no. need. Uh, I have a bunch of climbing gear. Does anybody else have climbing gear if we're going to go up this mountain? Because no. I've got rope and patons and a bunch of stuff. I do not have any kind of climbing gear. Okay, Tom, do no. they have any climbing gear? Um, they have the remnants of some climbing gear. They've, they've burned a lot of it on, on failed climbs. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's enough to cobble together two more sort of climber's kits. So some batons, some, like, tiny hammers for the batons. Great. Uh, some rope, <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. Crampons? No. Isn't a crampon, like, a creature? No, it's, like, like a, a little spiky Laura thing knows a lot about climbing in real life. Isn't it? They, uh, I couldn't tell you. They had hoped to go yeah. through the mountain. Uh, and based on what you've already seen of um, the rest of the party, um, there might be one pair, but if they exist, they're likely in Peachtree's gear and for her use. <laughs> also, her um, feet are very small. Okay. It would not be helpful for any of you. Do they have any uh, of the poowler bear meat that we could bring as bait? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they can definitely, like, they, they've, they've cleaned them. Um, they also offer to replenish any rations you have um, from what what they have they, they 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 like they have crates full of supplies they're still fairly well stocked um given that they were planning on like more of them and going through the mountains so they can replenish your your stock if you need and um yeah the meat is all there they didn't they didn't touch any of it great then yeah i'll restock i'll take a flask of oil and a day of rations because that'll get me back to my usual yeah they basically uh, like and- put all the meat on ice so it's 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 still fairly raw it's just cold Great. I'll take like a two two pieces of bait. I'll sure. just mark down so we have that. Hey, Tom, what happened to the piece of fish? Uh, it rattled down through your leg and fell out through the gap between your uh, ankle and, and foot yeah. as you ran through the snow. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> cool. I think I've got Thanks. everything. I've got everything I need for this journey. Is there anything you two are looking for? And I've got like the polar bear head like over my head <laughs> looking down. <laughs> My hat, I've, like, rolled up very carefully into <laughs> the backpack. Gwendolyn doesn't really know anything about climbing, so she's following Duncan's lead. That's it. Yeah, I've just been preparing <laughs> the necessary spells for our encounter, I think, so. Yeah, and I will I have I'm... put on my leather dueling gloves where I still have a grip, but it's not just my bare hands on ice. <laughs> Sounds good. All yeah, right. I think I think we're all set. Cool. Um, so you make your way to the bottom of the cliff. 
and uh, as you approach, there's kind of a, um, a rugged path that leads up through uh, the wrecked ships um, to um, a spot where you can actually see there's a bunch of more recent debris, um, and you can see uh, all the useful bits have been cleared out. There's broken crates, you see some broken textile machinery, um, it seems as though uh, whatever got blown off the, the cliffside landed down here, or at least some of it did. Um, so you can kind of see it's been pushed to the sides to create a, a clear pathway up to this this uh, cliff face. So again, about 150 feet straight up. Um, it's not completely sheer. Like it's sorry, it's sheer, but it's not flat, obviously, because it's naturally occurring rock. Um, so there are handholds, that sort of thing. Um, it's rough. Uh, it's definitely climbable, uh, but you can hear um, the the wind just shrieking overhead. There's kind of like the cliff and then walls on either side of you that are too jagged to climb. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a climbable face and a screaming wind. Tom, a random brain question, having looked at Vivaldi Rock Smasher's like drawings and his explosive supply and that kind of thing. Do I think it would be possible to essentially use explosives to like blow this into a ramp temporarily to get people up after us instead of them having to climb it? Um, I don't uh, if if he did it, maybe, but also his explosives were meant to bore directly through a thing. So the odds of it just like creating a new cliff four feet away from the current cliff is is higher than like ramping it. Okay, cool. Um, can I actually have, have grabbed some of that um, that explosive powder, like a, a small barrel of it or something? I will give it to you for one stress. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, stress is back. This is a mechanic we use all the time in uh, Dum Dums and Dragons, our other show um, that I stole from Blades in the Dark. Uh, but stress is a mechanic wherein characters can magically have a thing on them. Uh, that they would like that they didn't ever declare they had. Um, basically, at the beginning of every adventure, everyone gets five stress. Uh, you tell me what you want and why you have it, and I will tell you if you do or not. So, okay. Maka, why would you have grabbed blasting powder? Um, if in the event that we climb up this cliff and the beast is right there, um, there's a chance we could detonate the powder and shear off the cliff that the beast is standing on, or just blow up a monster. <laughs> cool, great. So yeah. So it just seemed like it would be uh, uh, vital in the destruction of this creature. Excellent. So for one stress, <clears throat> it is yours. Thank you. Uh, you have a small pouch. Of, a pouch of it. Okay. Yeah. But like, it's 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 pretty shorty stuff. It'll the pouch will do. Shorty. Well, Hjorty. all right. Cool. Right, so I would say Duncan at the base of this cliff would probably try to ID a good place to climb. I feel like as a guy who battles assassins, he would have done a lot of those like early in his career, but those exercises where it's like, OK, it's your job to kill this target today. Go into the palace dressed up like some asshole. So he'd probably try to figure out where the best climbing route is and help the others rig up some ropes so they don't like fall to their deaths, because I know the princess has never climbed. Mm -hmm. Maka, do you have any uh, experience with climbing rock faces? Hmm. Hmm. No. <laughs> All right, so let me show you both how to rig up rope. Uh, and he'll, like, help them build, uh, like, a pretty basic, he's not, like, an expert rock climber, but, like, a basic around-the-waist harness. Show them how to use pitons and stuff so they can climb without 
falling to their death the moment they make a mistake. Uh, all right, so uh, Ryan, go ahead and roll me a survival check, please. That is 14. 14? Um, okay, so you, you can establish a, like a, a nice safe um, entry point for climbing. Um, all of your climb speeds are half your normal speed. Okay. Um, so all of you, I believe, have a movement of 30. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, I am sure-footed, so my movement penalty from difficult terrain is cut in half, rounding uh, down. doesn't so apply I don't to climbing. I figured I yeah. just... So basically... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to use that this one time. <laughs> I mean, it is difficult terrain. Uh, yeah, well, if he was going to, like, Adam West... I'm, I'm I know, just being an I asshole. Know. Yeah. And I was going to respond in like, if he's going to Adam West his way up and stop to talk to celebrity guests who poke their heads out of the cliff, then fucking sure. Tom, um, how many celebrities can I see on the cliff? Uh, roll a perception check. <sighs> Let's find out. Wow, oh, that's only an 11. All you see is Cliff Maxwell, the famous Cliff actor who's a Cliff. Not famous enough for this to work. You're going to try to uh, <laughs> swashbuckle your way up? If, I, if there'd been celebrities, I would have gone for it. <laughs> uh, wicked. Okay, so, um, yeah, Ryan, you're able to find a nice safe spot to, to launch the, the climb. Um, it will theoretically take you 10 rounds to climb, um, but we're not, I'm not just going to make you roll dice 10 times because that's dumb. Uh, so instead, uh, based on how well you're rolling or how poorly you're rolling, uh, we'll determine kind of what your degree of success is going up. So who's the first person who's going to climb? Uh, I'd say this, whoever's going to take, this is sort of a toss up. I wouldn't suggest the turtle. He's never climbed before and he's the heaviest. So I'm probably the most dexterous with experience. But you are the lightest, and you are just a suit of armor, not a person. So I don't know if falling would take you out the same way. But, wait, are we using, like, rope? Yeah, that's what... And things. Yes, but whoever oh. goes first has to place the rope. Exactly. I mean, do you want me placing the rope and, like, that... placing, like, the things that are going to catch us if we fall? That's true, but you are the one who is the least likely to get tired. All right, I'll do what I can, oh. and then we'll figure it out afterwards. So I guess I'm going. Uh, I'll start climbing. Roll me an and athletics check, please. Can I, can I climb? words of RuPaul, don't fuck it up. Say, can I climb acrobatically, Tom? <laughs> no. In this instance, you That's cannot. That's funny. I will give you many, many can I use the skill I'm good at skill checks. Climbing Great. a mountain I, is not one of them. I roll a four. I, four. I don't even get up the mountain. Okay, so you get uh, you get like your hands in and you get like a good grip, but it's your, your kind of action is mostly spent getting settled. Great, I feel very settled, but very <laughs> concerned about my ability to get up this mountain. <laughs> I thought this would be more something I could do with great flair, and it turns out Unlike assassinating a king in a castle, this is not the least bit glorious. I don't know how to do this terribly well. Hmm. You... You are on there, though. That's true. Yes. Uh, you are on the wall. All right, which of us is the strongest? Because I feel like maybe the strongest person will be able to most, like, forge a path up this. Well, I was actually... What I wanted to do as um, uh, use... Uh, four, uh, three essence points to uh, increase my strength by one for mm. the rest of the day. So, I've got a strength of plus three now. All right. So go go get climbing. All right. 
This is less looking for handholds and more punching your fingers into the rock. Basically punch to make like a hole and like feet like kick yeah. in. So I'm kind of like creating like a stone like ladder hole almost. Not like ladder. I know what you mean. Essentially. Make some divots. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like that. Let's go. All right. I got to roll. Athletics, please. Athletics. It's five. Ooh, okay. That was a two on the die. Get so one handhold higher than me. You 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 <laughs> run you run at the wall. It's like clinking, full of uh, might and fury, and you leap, and you're airborne, and it feels majestic and amazing. And you drive your fingers and toes into the wall, and you you hold exactly the way you hoped you would. It's a real elating moment, and then you you kind of look down into the left to to be smug at uh, Duncan, <laughs> only to realize you're looking at his shoe because you both got exactly <laughs> as far up, uh, and and are awkwardly both standing side by side, one level up, but not very far. <laughs> All right, so, Mark, I feel like you might be the one who's got to lead the way. Hmm. And this is how you go about it, yes? I would say if you've got a different idea, try that first. Hmm. This is not methodology that needs to be repeated. Hmm, hmm, yes. Uh, I, like, step off the wall. (laughs) It's it's three inches in the back. I may have something, yes, hmm. Um, Tom, in the swamps of Bleen, I'm assuming it's a fairly hostile environment. There mm-hmm. are some nasty creatures there. I would like to wild shape into a giant wolf spider, if I may. This episode of Curse Code and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.